Well, Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome back to the So We Speak podcast. First of all, I want to say thank you so much to everyone who has given. The year-end giving was awesome. Amazing. Obviously, there's still opportunity to give, um, and we put a, we'll put a link in the podcast to do that. But we just want to say thank you for helping us go into 2019 with some big initiatives and feeling confident that we can expand the reach and the mission of So We Speak. So one of the things we're really passionate about is equipping Christians to think, live, and speak what they believe. We have a lot of Christians in this country, and I know one of the things that's really confusing is, how do you live like a Christian in now 2019? Right. And our passion is to help you, equip you, have conversations about living out, speaking out your faith. And one of the ways we want to do that in the new year and in this episode is by talking about goals. Now, you probably already feel the cultural pressure of setting goals because it's January 1st and New Year's <laughs> resolutions are the big thing. Except I have noticed in the last couple of weeks there's some pushback to New Year's resolutions. And I want to point out before we get going, one of the really interesting trends in some of the posts that you see and the research that's going on about willpower is that willpower is a specific amount and you have it until you run out and then you really don't and you have to Mm -hmm. sleep or something to get it back. And what I've seen people take from that is that uh, you shouldn't set goals that depend on willpower. That really you should just set goals that kind of go along with what you already want to do and feel like you should do. And the reason that most people don't accomplish their goals isn't their fault. It's because you're not wired to go against your willpower. And so I want to confront that a little bit, but I think there's two, there's two ditches we want to avoid. On The first one is not setting any goals or giving yourself the excuse for not setting goals because you don't believe that you should exert your willpower. Right. The second ditch, though, is the pressure to make a goal and measure yourself by your output and begin to define yourself by what you accomplish. We don't want to go into that ditch either. Uh, you know, especially as Christians, we don't know what 2019 holds. And so we set goals in the expectation that God is going to do things that we don't know about yet. But does that mean we can still set goals? Right. So I, what I want to do is, with those things in mind, I want to talk about how to set goals and achieve them for the new year. And I know this is something that you're really good at, have a lot of experience with. So maybe lay out a system or give us some you know, practical application on how to set and achieve goals. Yeah, good question. I'd like to talk about a couple of things, how to set goals and then what goals should you be setting. But I want to chime in on what you just said is the, I have this opinion, and it is that the amount of self-discipline that you develop is directly proportional to your happiness in life. Now, I understand happiness is very circumstantial as well. I'm not leaving that out. But this idea of willpower, which I want to call willpower, Mm self-discipline, I believe it's like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it becomes. And I think a well-developed set of muscles makes your body healthier. It's not the only thing, but it's certainly a big factor. Well, the more self-discipline that you develop in your children, in yourself, is directly proportional to the happiness in your life. So... Yeah, I think I, I totally agree. I think you can develop discipline, and it's important to develop discipline. You can develop perseverance. Yes, you know we're called as Christians to develop self-control as a fruit of the spirit. Right. One of the things that's been kind of rolling around my head lately is you hear about self-control and self-discipline in context where it seems like 
you have self-discipline for the sake of self-discipline. So take running, for example. Well, if you don't like to run, it is a gargantuan task to get yourself up, get your shoes on, get outside, stretch, and take off running. Right. But you know if you're training for something that the discipline is worth it. Right. I mean, there is probably nothing less motivational except for that very strange group of people who just enjoy running for its own sake than getting up and making yourself run when you don't have a goal. You don't actually have anything that you're chasing after. Exactly. Um, whether that be health, whether that be a half marathon or a marathon, whether that be running with friends or you know personal record or something like that, all discipline, all self-control needs to have an end in mind. And that's part of the reason why we set goals. And one of the things I remind myself of when it comes to discipline is the definition of discipline is basically doing things that your future self is going to be glad that you did now. That's a great way to think about it. Doing things that in the future you're going to look back and say, man, I'm really glad that my past self did that. And in the moment, it seems hard to do that a lot of times. But when you have a clear vision of the future and you know what you're going to reap at the end of it, it makes it a lot easier. That is the difference between... Uh, goals properly set and they work and a new year's resolution which statistically speaking almost never work Mm -hmm. new year's resolutions look backward oh i'm too heavy i just i need to join the gym and get that oh i need to do this and oh i've been unhappy about that goals are always forward looking Mm -hmm. and done properly they work very well so that's a great way of thinking about the difference between a new year's resolution looking backward and a goal looking forward well, let's talk about how uh, to set goals. I only have three thoughts for you on this. Is The way I go in, into setting goals is very much forward-looking. And the first thing I would share is this. Envision what it looks like at the end of the year. For example, in business, one of the questions I like to ask is, if we were sitting here a year from now and you said to me, that was the best year I ever had, I would ask you this question. What made it the best year you ever had? Well, the answer to that question gives you a clue to what some of your goals should be. Mm-hmm. If I said to you, what, ha- what happened that made this the best year? Now, you may say, I inherited you know, uh, a big sum of money from a relative or right. I hit the lottery. But really, most of the time what you're saying is, well, I achieved this or I got this done or I stuck with this and this happened. And whatever those are, are a great way to think about what your goal should be. And your goal should be envisioning that end state. And it typically is something uh, specific. And that's my second point. The more specific your goal is, the more likely you are to achieve it. Now, I realize you can put things so specific that they're useless. But for example, if uh, a year from now uh, you said to me, Terry, what happened this year? I said, this is the best year physically I've ever had. I feel more fit. I'm at a better weight. My clothes actually fit. And you'd say, wow, that's awesome. And that's a great goal. But what would need to happen? I would say to you, gosh, I weigh, you know, 180 pounds and I'm running three times a week or I'm getting to the gym. Make that your goal. What you Mm -hmm. want the reality at the end of the year to be, make it your goal. And the more specific, the more likely. And then the third thing is write it down. If it's not written down, it's not real. Mm-hmm. You need to write this down somewhere. I happen to use my uh, electronic filing system that I put all other kinds of notes and business projects into. Write them down. Uh, and then you have to look at them. Mm-hmm. A New Year's resolution rarely gets revisited right. because it's usually gone in two weeks. A goal needs to be looked at about once a month. Mm-hmm. And I make that part of my practice. So 
Envision what you want to happen at the end of the year. The more specific, the better, and write it down and revisit it. Thoughts? I want to kind of walk through those steps and get a little bit more practical steps for this because I think this framework is really helpful. You know, in the first step, envision the future. There was a book that I read that was really, really helpful called Eat That Frog, mm-hmm. and it's by Brian Tracy. It's... I'm, Every business book I feel like is kind of the same in some ways, but this one for some reason really resonated with me. It's about 20 chapters. They're each little tips for productivity management. Uh One of them is on goal setting. And one of the things he says is people don't have problems achieving their goals because they're lazy. They have problems achieving their goals because they're not clear on exactly what their goals are. Yeah, I would agree. And one of the reasons I think that is is because when we when we begin to set goals, we are tempted to just put quantitative goals down on paper. So, mm-hmm. for example, um, you know, maybe at work you have a sales quota or something like right. that, or maybe in in your physical goals you want to run a certain time on a five k or something like that. So that's not actually a goal. That's a result. Right. And you want to envision very clearly the result that you want when you set your goals. Mm -hmm. So you paint a very clear vision of the future. And the way I like to put it is you need to be able to tell somebody in 30 seconds with clarity what the world would look like if your vision came true. Exactly. If your set of goals needs to be that clear. In your mind. You need to talk about it enough, write about it enough, think about it enough to where you could tell it to somebody in 30 seconds. And once you have a clear vision of your future, whether that's your whole life or an area of your life or something, then I think the goal writing process really begins. Right. So you say, okay, my vision for the world is that I would be a runner. Okay, that's not a goal yet. That's a vision for Mm -hmm. the future. What does that vision actually mean? look like? What does it mean? And then you say, what steps am I going to take to get there? And so you say, okay, if I was going to achieve that vision of the world, here's all the things I would need to do to make it happen. Now we've really gotten into the situation where we're writing out goals. I would agree. And you can get pretty granular on this. And obviously I've stayed at a higher level because I think where people fail most of the time is in the vision part. But let me give you an example that fits what you're saying. I, there was a a time many years ago, I was about 30 years old and I realized I was out of shape and I had never run. I've never been a runner in my life. And so I didn't do track or anything like that, played basketball, et cetera, but never really did any running. I had never run five miles at one time in my life mm-hmm. uh, without the use of an Uber yeah. involved in the process. <laughs> uh, but no, I had never run five miles. And so I decided that I wanted to get fit. So that was kind of the vision I had at the end mm-hmm. of the year. I wanted to be more fit. But really specifically, I just set myself a goal mm-hmm. that I wanted to get to the point where I could run five miles. Right. Now, to do that, I didn't break it down much further than that. I knew that to do that, you can write down the tactics and what you're going to do. But I knew I need to start going to the Y and I need yeah. to start running. So I hooked up with a buddy. We would go three days a week at lunch and we started running. And I remember I could not run a mile without being out of breath. Mm-hmm. So I just stuck with it. And so we went three days a week, et cetera, and finally reached that goal of mm-hmm. five miles. And in reaching that goal, I found I was largely to my vision of being fit. Mm-hmm. Does that, that seems like that's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah, I think that's true. And, and there's some confusion, I think, between what we, what we call probably in the business world um, lead measures and lag measures. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a, a really common confusion when you're, when you're goal setting. So I, I think of... 
you know, working at the church, one of the goals that you always have is numerical. You want to, you want to impact a certain amount of people. And maybe you set that goal. And this is the temptation in ministry. Maybe you set a goal. We want to have a hundred people show up for this event. Well, the problem with that is you can't just snap your fingers and get a hundred people to show up to your event unless you already have a hundred people showing up to your events, in which case that's a really (laughs) terrible goal. But you can't just snap your fingers and say, oh, well, 100 people will show up. And at the same time, you're not going to know if 100 people show up until after the fact. It's actually a lag measure, which means you don't know if you've achieved it until you're done with it. What you really need for something like that, let's say that is your vision, is we want 100 people to come to this event. Well, what you need to do is you need to start to develop some lead measures where you say, okay, what's it going to take for us to get 100 people here? And this is something we used to do with our college ministry interns and our our residences. How many people do you have to invite to something to get them to actually show up? Right. Probably one in five, one in six, you know, whatever we decided the number was going to be. Okay, so a great lead measure for getting 100 people to an event then would be invite invite 500 people. Right. Then you're starting to make progress towards that goal. You've envisioned what you want, but you've actually established some practical steps that you can control to get there. Right. Also, this is unhealthy, in, in my view, in ministry to set goals in the way you talked about originally. Let's have 100 people show up. Because you then start being extremely tempted, I would say overwhelmingly tempted, to let the ends justify the means. Mm-hmm. And in ministry... And in the New Testament and with Jesus, the ends never justify the means. So in other words, if you want to get 100 people there, well, I'd say let all the vape shops in town set up. Mm-hmm. And uh, why don't we go ahead and do a little casino gambling, etc. Well, I'm being absurd, of course, but my point is I can pretty much get you 100 people there, but you won't be happy with that. Right. And that's not what you really had in mind. Right. So what you're talking about is let's go do those fundamental solid things in such a way that will result in having a lot of people here, which is what we hope to have. And I think you're right, right on. You've got to do the lead measures. In other words, the the fundamental things that if you do them should lead you with God's blessing to your outcome. Right. And one more thing on this first point of, of envisioning you know, the future, envisioning where you want to get to. I think the most difficult area to set goals is probably in your spiritual life. Because what is the vision at the end of the year for your spiritual life. You talk to people and and the funny thing is a lot of times, you know, you feel compelled to include a spiritual goal. So you have a really easy time doing 3 to 5 other goals. And then all of a sudden at the end you're like, "Oh no, I need a spiritual goal." Um go grow closer to the Lord this year. Right. Or um, you know, read my Bible more this year or pray more, develop a prayer life this year. And these are all really good impulses. And in in other areas of life, those are goals that we could probably set. But for some reason, when it comes to our spiritual lives, it's really difficult to develop goals. Why do you think that is, and how do you how do you get around that? Well, I think that's a good point. I think they tend to be very nebulous. So, as uh, and I want to talk about that later. In fact, I want to tell you what my spiritual goal for this year is. And it's a little. It may be sound underwhelming to you, but spiritual goals are one thing that you aren't doing by yourself. Is if. If we basically will attend to the day-in, day-out habits and practices, the Holy Spirit is guaranteed to grow us. Mm -hmm. But I do think we want to envision ourselves as being, okay, by the end of the year, I want to be just like Billy Graham. You you have some nebulous kind of an idea. And uh, that's where I think most of those fail. 
is then you have absolutely no idea how to get to it. Or you have, mm-hmm. quote, good intentions. Right. But good intentions won't achieve your goals. Right. So let's move on maybe to the second step where we can kind of be mm-hmm. and flesh this out. So if you've envisioned what you want at the end of your goals, you've envisioned a clear future, then the second thing you've got to do is you've got to get specific about how to achieve that goal. So when it right. comes to your spiritual life, how do you do that? Yeah, for example, uh, for me this year, my uh, goal is to be more, I mean, what I'm envisioning is to be more surrendered to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, you may set a specific goal and said, I want to sacrifice my time to Christ this year, my finances to Christ this mm-hmm. year. I want to uh, allow Christ to more fully own my relationships this year. And so your goals might be, let's take the last one on the relationships or a specific relationship. I want to surrender that. Mm-hmm. What would that might that be? It might be that, well, then I need to obey the proverb and says, a wise man doesn't take offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might also then say, I won't hold any grudges. I'm mm-hmm. going to pray every day for this person. Right. In other words, you can get very specific and you can trust that the Spirit, if you will do those things the Scriptures told us, you will get there. So for me, uh, last year I did a, a little different process, but I'm, I get pretty granular. My spiritual uh, practice this year is to read through the Bible in 365 days, which I do mm-hmm. most years. I didn't last year. I did a different plan last mm-hmm. year. But I have a read through the Bible in 365 days. And then I want to add in this year, again, I go off and on, do different things. I want to read through uh, Spurgeon's uh, Morning and Evening mm-hmm. uh, devotional. Now, one caveat. I am not a fan of reading about the Bible, no matter how good what you're reading about the Bible is, mm-hmm. whether it's Spurgeon or it's streams in the desert or it's whatever it may be. Those things don't replace scripture reading, mm-hmm. but as a, it, they can be a very nice supplement to reading through the Bible. So what is that practice going to get me? That practice is going to do two things. It's going to help me surrender my time. Mm-hmm. In other words, if I will do that every day, it will be a challenge some days and it will help me to turn over my time to God. The second thing is it helps me to be more faithful in the small things. And mm-hmm. I believe God will bless the big things. That happens to be where I'm at right now is I, I don't have any problem hitting the big targets, but I found uh, over the course of the last year, I'm having more trouble than I want being faithful in the little things. So Uh for Terry Fakes, for 2019, I want to be faithful in the little things every day reading these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, It may not sound very ambitious, but I guarantee you, and this is, by the way, why I like to set spiritual goals first, is it it needs to be first in my mind to remind me, this is the most important thing you will do. This Mm -hmm. sounds more trivial than anything else on my goals, Mm -hmm. and yet it is the most important thing. I have found in my experience that how your spiritual goals go, so the quality of your life goes. Mm -hmm. I don't mean you might have a wonderful year at work and make millions of dollars this year, but as my spiritual goals go, so the quality of my life goes. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if that fits into what you're talking about. For me, it's very granular, and it, the what the Holy Spirit will do with that is what's going to achieve. At the end of the year, if I will do that, I will have surrendered my time, and God will have blessed that by making me more faithful in the little things. You know, one of the places I, I like to start with this that, that I think you just really clarified is the overall goal for every Christian is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. There, It shouldn't really be a question as to what your goal is this year, spiritually, right. if you look at it from 30,000 feet. Right. Because the goal, Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians, this is God's will for your life, your sanctification. That's it. 
That's the general will of God for you is that you would become holy, that you would look more like Christ, that you would grow into the person that God created you to be. Mm -hmm. So if that's your general goal, then like you said, what step can you take now that's going to get you to that goal? And usually those have to do with the condition of your heart. I mean, anything external, reading your Bible, praying, spiritual disciplines of any kind, those are all means to get you to your goal, which is that your heart would be transformed, that it would be surrendered to Christ, that it would be loving God and loving other people the way that you've been commanded to do. And so if you start with that premise, my goal for the year is to grow to be more like Christ, Mm -hmm. then what do I need to do to achieve that? What area of my life is going to need to change to conform to Christ's image? And so one of the ways I like to start with spiritual goals is let's just take inventory. What areas of my life do not look like Christ? And this is a great opportunity to pray, to sense what God is leading you to. A Mm -hmm. lot of times the Holy Spirit will point out an area in your life and you'll feel conviction over it, maybe for the first time in a while or consistently. The other thing is, and this is kind of painful sometimes, ask the people who are close to you where you need to conform your life to the image of Christ. Maybe it's your anger. You snap too quickly. Absolutely. Maybe it's something where you gossip. You talk like you shouldn't about other people. Maybe it's you're not disciplined at all in the spiritual disciplines that you have. Whatever it is, somebody close to you is probably going to have some pretty good advice on if, if, if you have a good enough relationship where they can be honest with you, yes, they're going to have a pretty good idea of how you could set a goal this year for your own life and your own behavior. Let me add in one thing. When you do that and when you take stock, and that's what I've been doing for the past couple of weeks, uh, is looking back on 18, looking forward and kind of taking stock a lot of time in prayer, you are going to probably be a little discouraged because you're going to go, well, there are eight things here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, could, could my prayer life be better? Absolutely, it could. Is it on this list of specific goals? No. It's not the thing that I've been convicted that I need to most work on. And let me tell you this. You don't achieve it in a year. You have time, Mm -hmm. one step at a time. Last year, I worked on something a little bit different. I put a little more effort, a little more tension into something different. And year after year, the Holy Spirit is very faithful to use it. And I agree with what you said. This is a means, not an end. Mm -hmm. I know that if I put myself in position... If I am in the Word every day, I can trust that the Holy Spirit can use that. Yeah. It's sort of like a personal trainer you know, who calls me up and says, Terry, I, I, I love your goals this year. I'll see you at the gym uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, this entire year. We're going to really kill it. And then, you know, a month later, he calls me and he says, Terry, uh, you, you haven't been at the gym, you know, in a right. month. And, and Terry, I hate to tell you this, I'm a really good trainer. But I can't do anything with this. You you actually have to show up. Now, that's not an exact metaphor, but I kind of need to show up and right. let the Holy Spirit have the opportunity to work in my life. Right. That's where I think people go wrong with Bible reading plans, and I've definitely been there, is when you, it was when you start to see your Bible reading plan as the end in and of itself, as opposed to the means. Right. And that, that gives you that motivation on days that you don't want to read. Because you know what? The reading isn't the point. That's right. And, and in certain places in the Bible... Thank God it's not the point to just read and just memorize and just understand. <laughs> when you hit Leviticus, because you are not going to come away with an epiphany every day. <laughs> because it's not an it's not an end in and of itself. It's right. a means. I always describe Bible reading like you're accumulating interest on a deposit. And every day that you read the Bible, you're putting more into your principle. Right. And you're not going to see immediate returns on that a lot of times. Right. You you may every month or every 
you know, two or three days or something, God will be gracious enough to show you Absolutely. the returns that you're earning on your investment. But right. a lot of days it's just selling away one little bit at a time. And then over the course of a year or five years or 10 years, you see these gigantic growth areas in your life because you were faithful in the day-to-day things, even when it didn't feel like you were making any progress. And that's a key point that you just hit on is we're really going about training in faithfulness. You don't get to become, and I'm picking on Billy Graham here, you don't get to become Billy Graham this year by trying to be Billy Graham. Mm -hmm. You get to become who God designed you to be by being faithful day in, day out. We Mm -hmm. are actually training in faithfulness. Yes, that's absolutely true. So you envision your future. You get specific. You recognize that you have certain means that you're going to use to achieve your ends. You you focus on what you can actually do today to bring about that future. And then what do you do after that? Well, and then you write them down. I mean, that's the third piece that most people miss. I think uh, Stephen Covey is probably who, I'm going to mangle this a little bit, but uh, he's the one that I recall first saying this, and that is uh, a a dream is a goal that hasn't been written down. Mm-hmm. It, it, something really close to that effect. And it hit me when I read it and I thought, you know what? If I have a goal and I don't write it down, it's just a someday, some when. It's a dream. Yeah. And dreams don't tend to come true until you get committed to them. And mm-hmm. so write them down. And one thing you already mentioned about, I share my goals right. with at least one person. Not you know, in any great detail, but just to say, uh, you know, this is what I intend to be working on. If you have someone that'll hold you accountable, great. In business, that's what I think a boss is for, is to help hold you accountable for your business Mm -hmm. goals in a very positive way. But it's nice to have a friend who knows what your goals are. I think sharing your goals is one of the keys to making them happen. I mean, writing them down so that you can understand what they are. Right. And I think especially... You know, the key to new habit formation is that you have to make what you want to do easier than what you don't want to do, at least at the beginning. So you need to put obstacles in the way of the things that you don't want to do. You need to make them harder. For just a small example, one of the things I read in an article a couple of weeks ago is if you're trying to spend less time on social media, for example, go to your phone and change where the icons are on your phone because it's muscle memory. You open it up. You hit Instagram. You open it up, you hit Twitter. Right. What you do is you fool your brain and add an extra step. Because the longer the gap is between uh-huh. the desire and the reward, the less addicting something is. Right. And so move the icons around. Move them onto page two or put it you know, up on the top right when it used to be on the bottom left or something like that. Uh-huh. And you put an obstacle in the way of doing what you don't want to do. And in, instead, whatever it is that you do want to do, make that as easy as you possibly can. Right. Um, I think people try and bite off too much when they start new goals. And they yeah. pretend like they've had this goal as a habit for like a year. Right. Like, how would I operate if I had already done this for a year? No, write your goal like you've never done it before. Right. Write it to where you're going to give yourself rewards. You're going to make it easy. You're going to eliminate some of the difficulties of it so that you can build that new habit. Writing it down is one of those things that makes it easier. You're going to see it. You need to put it in a visible place. You need to come up with a system of reminding yourself of what your right. goal is. And then I, one of the things I really think you need to do is is create some short-term victories. Yeah. So if your if your goal is, you know, to read your Bible in a year, well, that's a really long time to stay after something. Uh-huh. How about make a seven-day goal of just getting right. through the book of Matthew? 
or a 15-day goal of getting through the book of Genesis. And then reward yourself. Find something that will be a reward that doesn't interfere with your other goals, you know, and (laughs) allow that to entice you to achieve those goals early on. Another thing that makes it easy is when you know somebody's depending on you. If you know somebody else is going to be affected by or is going to hold you accountable or is going to do your goal with you, that makes it much easier to actually achieve that goal. It does. So what is your practice for writing your goals down and reminding yourself? Yeah, I like to say I used to write them down on paper. Now I just have everything in an electronic system and I have a little notebook, so to speak, that says goals for 2019. And what I do weekly, this fits into my time and task management system. Every week, typically on Sunday, I look forward to the week coming up and I plot my time. I put the big rocks in first. You probably all heard that Mm -hmm. analogy. I want to put the most important things on my calendar to start with to fight against the tyranny of the urgent as best you can. And, uh, And that's when I typically look at my goals. And I say, how am I doing? Uh, How did I do last week? And that's where you can take the short-term encouragement, like every single day last week, Mm -hmm. way to go. And uh, I tend to look at my goals because on those goals, and by the way, I haven't mentioned this, but I'm a fan of three, maybe six goals. Mm -hmm. If you don't have at least three goals, you're wasting your life. If you have more than six, you're a better man than I am because mm-hmm. I have had that before and it tends to diffuse your efforts too much. So three to six goals, and I look at those. Two of mine this year are business, work. You know, my I have a couple of big things I'd like to achieve in my profession and what I'm doing. And the others have to do with a spiritual goal, obviously, uh, fitness, finance, and marriage, which I'd like to talk about that in a moment. But basically, I look at those uh Almost every week, mm-hmm. it's just part of my routine scan. It's just like scanning the instruments. It's like I want to—I got a blank. I don't have a blank next week, but I've got a next week, uh-huh. and I need to put the important things in. And part of reminding me what's important is what did I say that I really wanted to be about this year? Right. So I like to do it weekly. I don't set goals daily. I don't even set my calendar daily. Uh-huh. Now that may work for some people, and that's great. I have done that. I tend to like to plan a week at a time. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking over these goals, you have goals in different areas, as you just mentioned. You've got business goals. You've got personal goals. You've got family goals. Um, and if you're trying to get three to five goals in there, yeah. how do you distribute your goals? Yeah, great question. I have... Uh, Basically, work, two to three goals, personal growth, two to three goals, because your work is transient. I don't mean it's unimportant. It's very important, but you you outlast a job, and so Uh you have to be investing in yourself. So for me, for example, this year I have six, a little bit more than normal for me. I have one spiritual goal. I have two uh, big, big goal. I mean, I'm going to yeah. do a lot of stuff at work, but I have two big goals at work. Then I have a fitness, finance, and marriage goal. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't always have that every year, but this year I have a fitness goal because I wasn't happy with the way 2018 went, and so it needs to rise to the top of my attention, and it deserves a goal. Uh, finance is typically a goal and here's a good place to talk about this, is sometimes you have a multi-year strategy. Uh And by the way, that is true for both of my business goals. They Mm -hmm. are part of a multi-year strategy, but this is this year's portion of it. Mm -hmm. And so for finance, there's a multi-year strategy. This year, it rose to the level where it needs its own goal this year. Mm -hmm. Marriage is uh, something I think you need to work on every year. For example, if you are married, 
I think that you should do something every year. I'm not saying it has to be a goal, but you should read a book every year together. You should go to a conference. You should do something to work on your marriage every year. And for example, Laura and I, my wife Laura and I read, we've read certain books over and over and over. Uh I don't mean one year after the next, but we revisit it. You have to do something. Uh, My long-term strategy on my marriage is to convince Laura to stay married to me. (laughs) And my goal this year is Uh a very specific goal about the amount of time we get to spend with one another. And so, for example, you may not always have a fitness goal that rises to the top three to five. Mm -hmm. This year for me, finance, fitness, marriage have their own goals. So those three, spiritual, two work, that's six. That's plenty of things. That's really all I can focus on in a year. Absolutely. Now, one of the things I've run into is in certain seasons of your life, and depending on how far you are in your career and mm-hmm. where you work and what you're doing, you're going to have somebody else tell you what your goals are. Yes. So a lot of times at work and sometimes in your personal life as well, sometimes in your marriage as well, <laughs> you're going to have goals handed to you and say, these are your goals. What advice would you give to somebody who's trying to set goals in that environment? That's a great question. Uh, you you will have, if you're in a business that does goals properly, you will have negotiated, discussed. Uh, sometimes you just got some top-down goals. You need to make those priorities for your work life. Right. Uh, you know, or put that into that piece of it. And there are times, there have been times in my career where I had the only input I actually had in my goals were my own personal development. Right. And here's the thing. You need to own that. Right. You have to own your own career. You have to own your own personal development. I'm not saying that there won't be good bosses who won't help you with that, who won't invest in you, but you can't rely on that. Mm-hmm. There are going to be times, I have so much to say about this, because I get to talk to a lot of young people, men and women, in their careers where they occasionally you're going to get to somewhere in your career where you feel a little bit stuck. And the best thing to do to deal with being a little bit stuck is while you're stuck, build skills. Mm-hmm. So for example, uh, suppose you have a couple of business goals this year and you don't feel like they're really moving you forward, but obviously you need to do these things. That's fine. Then put some really robust personal development goals. I want to learn to play the guitar. I want to be a better speaker. I want to do this. And then fill them in the way we've talked about. Whatever those skills are. Every year in business, I would have a skill that I felt like made me a broader, more marketable a better brand in and of myself. Mm-hmm. So there are times when the only goals that you will have discretion would be your maybe one or two mm-hmm. personal development goals. Yeah. But don't let that discourage you because you will outlive the job that you are in. Right. That's where I've always appreciated uh, Stephen Covey's advice to sharpen the saw. Yes. You will be exactly. who you are no matter what job you're doing. And even if your job consumes most of your goal setting for a season right. or you feel like you don't really have a lot of control over what you're supposed to do all day, every day, right. that doesn't prohibit you from setting personal goals that interface with the goals that you have at work or wherever else in your exactly. life. You know, I don't, I don't set work goals in January because mm-hmm. usually you've already had your goals set. Right. So in the church, a lot of times you're on a school year calendar, so right. you're setting goals from... August to May. And mm-hmm. then you're brainstorming again in the summer to do sure. it all over again. In the business world, maybe it's the calendar year. Maybe it's first quarter. Whatever your schedule right. is, you probably already are doing that. What I like to do at the new year is obviously take stock like yes. we've been talking about. And then I like to set goals that basically entail the kind of person I want to become exactly. that I think will be advantageous both to my work, to my uh, relationships, to my personal life. 
And you can fold those into what you've been given to do at work and right. the, the jobs that you're required to do at work because you becoming a better person, you becoming the person that you want to be, developing skills that you want to have, is going to bear fruit in every area of your life. And so I would say even if you only have the margin in your life to set one goal right. in addition to the ones that you've been given, make it a goal that's going to transform you as a person. Exactly. Whether that's a explicitly spiritual goal or not, Make it a goal that's going to transform you into a better worker, a better friend, a better exactly. Christian, you know, Husband, all of those wife, things combined. Friend, exactly. <laughs> yeah, those things are things you take with you. Work goals come and go. They're important, but the personal development goals, which is what I call them, and I'm including the spiritual goal in that, is those are things that change the quality of who you are over mm-hmm. time, the skills that you have. Those very skills tend to shape you. So I, I absolutely agree with that, is remember that you, you owe your employer uh, your full effort. You want to work as though you're working for the Lord, but you also are building something that's more lasting. So any final advice? If you haven't set any goals yet, I mean, it's only January 1, so only the type A people have really <laughs> gotten to the whole goal thing yet. But if uh, you haven't set goals yet, any parting piece of advice? A couple of thoughts. Number one, uh, you can set goals anytime. It's just psychologically, in America, this is the time psychologically. If you lived in China, you'd probably do it at Chinese New Year. But for Americans, January is the psychological time for new beginnings, and that's awesome. Take advantage of that. But if you wake up in March and you go, man, I made some New Year's resolutions. I'm not doing any of them. Sit down, write down some goals, and get started. Mm -hmm. Also, a corollary to that is if you check your goals in March and you go, I am not doing well, start again. Just restart it. In other words, basically the more time you spend focused, the better it is. And here's my last piece of advice. When you have goals, you are basically letting time work for you. You may remember John Lennon had that famous quote and he said, uh, life is what happens while you're making other plans. Mm. And you can become a slave of time. Time happens to you. You can't speed it up, slow it down, but it can happen to you or you can allow it to work for you. Any time that you have goals, you are enlisting time to be your friend. So, for example, as I look back, and I have a longer way to look back than you do, but having done this for 30 years, I can say, wow, one year I did that and I became a better speaker. That year I learned to play the guitar. This year I you know, worked on my marriage, and sure enough, it paid great dividend. In other words, you don't have to do it all right now. Time is your friend when you mm-hmm. have goals. Time is actually on your side when you have goals. So I just urge you to think about it that way. Thanks for listening to the So We Speak podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a comment, leave a review, email us, tell us what you like about it, tell us what you'd improve about it. Thanks to all you guys who are listening, and we'll see you next week on the So We Speak podcast.